Uh, your Bibles, please. Turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. It's amazing how the Bible is the only supernatural book on earth. It's also the most amazing book ever written. And you can read it through a thousand times and get something new and fresh, many things new and fresh every time. And I thank God for that. And, and that's the case with the message today. I was reading through uh, a few months ago, and God showed me something I'd never seen before, and it jumped out at me, and so I, I studied that out, and that's the message today. Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse number 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Have you ever wondered why the angel there differentiated between Peter and the disciples? Why did he say in verse 7, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter. And the message this morning is and Peter. Uh, please notice with me why the angel said and Peter. First of all, because of Peter's failure. Peter was very impulsive in nature. He often would speak before thinking. Many times he suffered from foot and mouth disease. Maybe you know someone like that. That's how Peter was. And this very weakness led to his primary failures of compromise and denial. We see that Peter failed the Lord by compromising. And this is after Jesus' arrest, we read a couple chapters back in Mark 14 and verse 53. And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. So we see here that Peter followed Jesus afar off. And whenever we keep our distance from Jesus, we're compromising our faith. We're embarrassed to be too closely associated with him. Our hearts have grown too, hold, too cold to be happy to identify with him. And when we're following Jesus like we should, there will be three definite traits we read about in Luke 9, 23. And he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. When we're following Jesus like we should, we're willing to deny ourselves to follow him. If it means I've got to say no to some things in my life in order to follow him, then I'm willing to do that when I'm following him like I should. Also, when we're following Jesus like we should, we'll be willing to take up our cross and suffer for his sake. When we love the Lord and we want to follow him, then we're willing to pay a price. And by the way, if you're going to serve a lifetime of ministry, you are going to pay a price for that. 
There will be times that you will have to uh, suffer and do without in order to be faithful following him. And when we're faithful following Jesus like we should, we're willing to follow him wherever he takes us. We won't have limitations to say, well, Lord, I'd like to have a nice uh, paid staff position, full-time salary, benefits, every, all the perks, everything in place. Uh, by the way, Lord, in my hometown and at my home church would be just perfect. Uh, it doesn't work that way. And, and when we're willing to follow Jesus as we should, we will follow him wherever he leads us. When uh, folks ask me, they, they kind of detect a little bit of an accent that's not from Washington, and, uh, and, and, and they'll say, where are you from? I say, Florida. Florida, what are you doing in Washington? Following the Lord. He called us there and had to give up a little bit of sunshine, just a little bit. And uh, that's okay. We're, we're, we're living the life. We're having a great time serving God in the place that we know. He called us. And by the way, let me say to the young ladies, I thank God for a wife who followed me as I followed the Lord, has been there with me, and never a word of complaint. 33 years at the same church and ministry, never one complaint from her. What a blessing. That's what helps a man to stay faithful to the Lord. And so when we're compromising our faith, we follow Jesus afar off like Peter did. Sadly, I think of times in my life where I had opportunities to witness for Christ, but I was following Jesus afar off and didn't witness like I should. May the Lord help us all to say with the Apostle Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And when we're not ashamed of Christ, we're not ashamed of his gospel. A second way that Peter failed the Lord by compromising, uh, he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire, says Mark 14, verse 54. He was far too cozy with the servants of Jesus' enemies. Now, you may have a work situation or something where to be in a room with some, someone by default or by requirement is one thing. But to choose to sit with people who serve your Lord's enemy while they're trying him in a kangaroo court, that's unthinkable. That is such a compromise of loyalty to him. Peter should have refused to have anything to do with those people. He should have been off in a corner by himself somewhere. On top of that, being with them, sitting with them, he warmed himself at the fire. That shows how comfortable he had gotten around them. It shows also that he put his personal comfort before his personal savior. While Peter was getting cozy and warm by the fire, Jesus was being falsely accused by many and accused of blasphemy by the high priest and condemned to death by all then spit on and blindfolded and punched and mocked and slapped in the face, all while Peter sat with the servants and warmed himself by the fire. How often have I been cozy with the Lord's enemies and not been close to him like I should? 
So we see that Peter failed the Lord by compromise, but he also failed the Lord by denial. By the way, I know I start off on kind of a negative note, and, and that's okay. Good news is coming, okay? Before people hear they can be saved, they have to hear they're sinners, right? And before God's people and say, oh, thank God for what he's given us, we have to acknowledge what we need in our lives from the Lord. And, and, and Peter failed the Lord by denial in Mark 14, continuing on in verse 66. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids and said, uh, or, I'm sorry, one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, and thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called uh, to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crew crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Jesus had predicted that Peter would deny him. And Peter replied, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Yet here we see that Peter denied the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. And to make matters worse, he cursed and swore to try to distance himself and prove that he was not a disciple of Jesus. And the cock crowed twice exactly as Jesus had predicted. Then Peter thought about what the Lord had said, and he wept. And at that point, Peter realized how utterly he had failed the Lord. He felt the full weight of his absolute failure, and it caused him to weep. And by the way, that was a good step in the right direction, because the Bible says that godly sorrow worketh repentance. And so that was good that we begin to see a, a, a repentant heart here. But sorrow and weeping is only the beginning. How many times have I utterly failed the Lord, even to the point of weeping? And we must never take it lightly when we fail, and the Lord points that out to us. That's a great time for a turnaround in our lives to get things going the right way. So in Mark 16, the angel at the empty tomb said, But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter, because of Peter's failure, the angel said that. But secondly, he said that because of Peter's forgiveness. Thank God there is forgiveness with the Lord. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? That's saying, if God was up, up in heaven, kind of marking the chalkboard, oh, there's another one, Kenny blew it again. Oh, there's another one, that pastor messed up. Oh, there's another one, that college student. If God was doing that, who could stand, the Bible says, but there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Thank God for that. He's the God of second chances and third chances, and fourth chances, etc. Thank God that there's always an opportunity to turn things around. If he were not a forgiving God, none of us would stand a chance. We could look at Peter and point the finger and say, I've never denied the Lord, but the fact is, is all of us need the forgiveness of the Lord in our lives. Thank God that 1 John 1.9 is still in the book. 
Now, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And let me just do a little, a little side note here. Don't buy into this doctrinal error today that says once you're saved, you don't need to confess your sins. Bible's filled in the Old and New Testament of people getting right with God, confessing their sins and experiencing the cleansing that God gives to them. Please turn with me to John chapter 21. We're going to finish up the message uh, here. And this is after Christ was crucified and risen again. And here we see that Peter wasn't ready to return to the Lord yet. He wept when he realized he denied Christ, but he wasn't quite warmed up, ready to return to the Lord but the Lord sought him out. By the way, aren't you thankful that God seeks us out when we're not seeking him? When I hear people give a testimony and say, I found the Lord, I remind myself, I didn't find the Lord, he found me. I'm thankful that he's a God who seeks us out. In John 21, verse 1, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Three observations from that little passage there. Peter went back to his old way of life. He wasn't just going on a recreational fishing trip. He was quitting the ministry, going back to his commercial fishing enterprise. He said, I'm done with this. I, I'm, I'm disillusioned. I thought there was a great time coming in the kingdom. I was going to sit on his right hand, my brother on his left, and we're going to have a time. And now he's dead and I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my old life, quitting the ministry. And by the way, he influenced six others to go with him. We also go with thee. My friend, you never backslide alone. You always influence others, either in following after the Lord. I love that testimony of the young man about influencing your younger siblings to come to college, to the right college. That's awesome. That's great. And, and, and we have influence. We all have a sphere of influence. And when we're going the right direction, we influence them to the right. But when we go the wrong direction, we're having an influence on them. You never backslide alone. You always take people with you. And we see that as a result, they were absolutely fruitless. They caught nothing. Now the resurrected Lord approaches them as they're out there with an empty boat. Verse 4, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood at the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. It's always better to go right than left. Amen. You go on a fishing expedition on the left side of the ship, you'll come up empty. But they cast the net on the right side of the ship, and they shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw for the multitude of fishes. Three more observations from this. Jesus is hard to recognize when you're far away from him. They didn't even recognize the Lord because they had purpose to go away from him. Yet he showed an interest in their success. He wants you to succeed in life. He wants you to succeed in your finals. He wants you to succeed in college. He wants you to succeed in the ministry. He wants you to succeed. He instructed them, they followed his advice, and voila, they were successful. I'm thankful we have a book filled with instruction, 
And when we follow the advice of the Lord, we will succeed. Don't buy into some of the new ideas out there that are not according to the word of God. Stay with God's book and he'll give you instruction and you will succeed. So we see here that he was warming them back up to him, trying to corral them and bring them back. Now Jesus shows them the rewards of following him and he even prepares a meal for them and he sits down and fellowships with them. In verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisherman's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits. Dragging the net with fishes, as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty-three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. A few more observations from this. Peter was ashamed of his backslidden condition. He, he was naked. He, he'd gotten to the point where he'd quit the ministry and was leading others in his backslidden ways. And then to the point where he didn't even mind being unclothed around other men and and he was ashamed of that as soon as he realized it was the Lord. And Jesus invited them to come enjoy the fruits of their labor after they followed his direction. I want to tell you that one of the greatest parts of the ministry is enjoying the fruits of your labor when you know you followed the Lord's direction in your life. Stay true to the Lord. He will bless you. He will bless your ministry. And Peter saw the fire of coals there. And I'm sure his mind immediately flashed back. To the last time he sat by a fire of coals. There's only twice in the Bible that little phrase fire of coals is mentioned. The first one was when Peter was sitting by the fire warming his hands with the high priest's servants. And as he saw that fire of coals, his mind went back to that moment. You can almost uh, feel the ice melting off of Peter's heart. How, how different it was this time to be sitting by the fire with Jesus instead of with Jesus' enemies. They all knew it was the Lord because of their sudden miraculous success combined with his warm personal invitation. And he let them enjoy the success that is only found in following him. We ought to be more concerned about being successful in the eyes of God than we are in the eyes of men. And if we'll keep the focus there and say, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do in ministry. And Lord, I'm going to follow you anywhere you want. I'm going to pay whatever price it takes. But I just want to be faithful and true to you and follow you and have your success, your, your uh, approval on my life. And if we'll keep that in mind, God will honor and God will bless that kind of a ministry. And so now the Lord turns his attention individually to Peter and deals with him one on one. Verse 15, so when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, Simon son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. 
He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said the third time, uh, uh, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. And so here he's questioning Peter about his love, getting Peter to think, you know, do I love the Lord? I've just denied him. I've just quit the ministry he called me to and gone back to my old secular life I had. But instead of taking Peter's word for it, Jesus tells him to prove it. Get back to doing what I called you to do three years ago. Feed my sheep. And here we realize that the Lord had already forgiven Peter. He was already putting him back into the ministry. We also see here that the Lord understood that Peter needed time to get back fully on board with the Lord. And of course, I'm sure you've seen the Greek play on words here where three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me in English? But in, in the Koine Greek in which the Bible was written, the first two times Jesus said, do you love me? He asked him, Peter, do you love me with an agape love, the kind of sacrificial love that I loved you with when I died on the cross? And Peter answered the first time and the second time, yes, Lord, I love you with a phileo love, a, a fondness love, kind of like a friend, a dear friend. Jesus said, okay, then feed my sheep. Get back to doing what I called you to do. The third time, Jesus said, Peter, he brought it down to Peter's level. Do you at least love me with a phileo love, a, a kind of fondness that friends have for one another? And we see that verse 17, Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? Now for the longest time, I thought it said Peter was grieved because Christ didn't ask him once or twice, but three times in a row, do you love me? Then it dawned on me as I was reading this text after seeing Ann Peter, I think the reason Peter was grieved wasn't just because he asked him three times, but that the third time Jesus said, okay, Peter, I guess you don't love me with an agape sacrificial love. Uh, Peter, would you at least love me with a fondness like good friends love one another? Peter answered, Yea, Lord, uh, thou, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I only love you with a fondness kind of a love. And Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Peter was grieved that the Lord did not continue asking him to love him with a sacrificial love. He said, Well, Peter, at least, at least love me with a, a fondness like friends love one another. But his call didn't change. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. I still, even with only a fondness of friends, I still want you to get back to what I called you to three years ago. Feed my sheep. And so the Lord forgives and lovingly, patiently brings Peter back to serving him. So at that empty tomb, that angel said, go tell my disciples and Peter because of Peter's failure. He failed utterly. But he also said, go tell Peter, because Peter's forgiven. Aren't you thankful for the forgiveness of God? But then we see thirdly that he said, go tell my disciples and Peter, because of Peter's future. After allowing Peter to see his failure and lovingly forgiving him, the Lord tells Peter, 
By the way, it's not over. Failure is not fatal. You have a future. Sometimes when we fail the Lord, we can feel like we have no future. But child of God, as long as God is on his throne, you have a future with the Lord. Don't let the devil tell you any different. Don't let the world tell you any different. Don't let your flesh tell you any different. As long as God is on his throne, you have a future with the Lord. So Jesus continues dealing with Peter in verse 18 of John 21. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying but what, by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Then Peter turning about seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeing him saith unto Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. So when Peter was young, he girded himself, he got dressed and went wherever he wanted to. But when he's old, he's going to stretch forth his hands and someone else will need to dress him because he's unable to dress himself. And they're going to carry him where he doesn't want to go. And Jesus said this, signifying by what death he should glorify God. Then Jesus said, follow me. Peter asked about John. <laughs> what about him? And the Lord said, mind your own business. Follow me. And there are those who are going to want to mind your business when you're in the ministry. Don't worry about it. You mind the Lord's business and you mind your business and God will take care of the rest. Don't worry about the other guy across town and what he's doing or not doing. You stay focused on the Lord and his will for your life. And so as Peter looked into that fire of coals by the beach there, his mind went back to that first fire of coals where he had failed the Lord and he was reminded of his failure. Then as they pulled in the net full of fishes and the Lord said, hey, come and dine. And the Lord said, feed my sheep. Peter was reminded that he was forgiven. And the feed my sheep and follow me assured Peter that he had a future. And of course, history bears it out that Peter served a full life of ministry. And he was chosen by the Lord on the day of Pentecost when God needed a preacher on when he was launching the church into the future and empowering his church to go on and impact the world, he needed a preacher. And who did he pick? Not the most eloquent, not the most studied, but somebody who had a heart that was thoroughly right with God and just wanted to serve him the rest of his days. He became a pillar in the early church, a great leader that was looked to. He wrote two epistles about victory and suffering and about his pending death as a martyr. God used Peter in a great way. You see, Peter failed, but Peter was forgiven. And thank God Peter had a future. History bears it out that 
at the end of Peter's long and fruitful life and ministry, they came to him and they said, Hey, Peter, you're a Christian, aren't you? Bear in mind that the word Christian in the first century was not a badge of honor. It was a term of scorn. For the Christians, it was a badge of honor. But it's the world who watched Christians and said, Ah, oh, these people, they're, they're Christianos. They follow that Christ fellow. And it was a term of scorn, but they were honored to have that name. Peter, you're a Christian. Yes. You love Jesus Christ and you follow him in everything, right? Yes. Well, Peter, since you love him so much and you want to follow him so much, we're going to let you die just like him. We're going to crucify you. But Peter said, I am not worthy to die like my Lord. If you choose to crucify me, so be it. But please, would you crucify me upside down? I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. And they crucified Peter upside down. What a change from a man who was denying Christ, who quit the ministry, that the Lord came to him and said, I want you to go and serve me all the days of your life. And my friend, if God is, has called you and is leading you into ministry, it's not just to try it out for a while. It's not to take it for a test drive. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And, and may you dedicate yourself wholly to the Lord and give your entire life to him and make a difference in this world that desperately, desperately needs to see a model of Christian behavior and desperately needs to hear about the Christ that we love and that we serve. Thank God the angel said, and Peter, and Peter.